HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. Your host of Cooking Issues coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And here we are, folks, at episode 300. Guess who's here today? We got everybody's, everybody's favorite punching bag, Peter Kim, people. Peter Kim in the house. What's up, guys? I feel like, um... The fearless leader. I feel leader, like, I feel like one of the drink. bad guys on WWF. You are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are, you come so out. If you're a bad guy, are you more of a Boris Badenoff, more of a Dick Dastardly, more of a, like, where, where are I'm you? thinking old school, man. Like, you know, Randy, Macho Man Savage. Oh, but like a wrestler, not like a cartoon. You definitely want to be. Yeah. Wait, but what about, I mean, okay, that's a good choice. And I like choosing someone that's dead, but you also now have Rowdy Roddy Piper to choose from as being, <laughs> as being your, your favorite dead bad guy wrestler. Yeah. And, what, and you would choose Macho Man? Yeah, yeah, Macho Man. All right, fair. Yeah. Macho Man, Peter Kim. That's I right. like that. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, got uh, also, obviously, as usual, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How On the doing? phone, as usual. Good. Yeah, she's sitting there tweeting away, doing whatever the hell <laughs> she's doing. She's oh, managing sorry. your social media presence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's Nastasia that's Lopez has true. never, ever gone... <laughs> People think, oh, she no, no, she doesn't. She doesn't handle any of that crap. What she's doing is buying shoes on. That's Zappos. not true. I hate having emails. I was. She's also I was emanating. You reading email. emails? Why don't you give deleting, us a subject title? Emails. What's uh, the point of deleting annual it? Annual board meeting. Annual board meeting for the Museum of Food and Drink. So you're busy deleting uh, emails. Did you just, just quickly so that I could focus on the show. Oh, that's a lie. It's deleting both. Got emails. Dave in the booth. How you doing, Dave? Good. How are you doing? Happy three hundred. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So three hundred. You know what that is? Entirely too many. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're laughing. We just looked at each other. And like, <laughs> no, yeah. you're giving yourself too much credit. Nastasi yeah. didn't look over at you. <laughs> oh, oh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, listen, call in your 300 episode uh, questions to 718 That's 718 
Yeah. So what else? By the way, people, we've mentioned this on the show before. Nastasia and I are anxious to try to. We're going to try to start a new show. We talked about this, right? Ruining dinner, like discussions that you can't have at dinner with people you disagree with. Things like politics, religion, all this. The problem is Nastasia and I are also incredibly busy, and so we haven't had time to kind of book anyone. So if any no, of you we, out there, yeah, or if anyone has any suggestions of political, you know, the suggestions. But you know what? It would be fun to get Rance oh, Priebus no, 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 on no, no, after no, no, he got no. fired from being White House chief of staff. But Connection. Connections, right? Yeah. Like you know, like you know, yeah. I would love to. I would love to pick Rance Priebus's brain over a couple glasses of wine over what that Megillah was like. Would you have the, the Scaramooch on? Would you have the Master yeah. Mooch? For those of you that are listening later, like this episode is taping, like right after the kind of ten day whirlwind of vulgarity that was Scaramucci as the White House communications director, which was hey. oh oh, which was I mean. I think regardless of where you are in the political spectrum, just an epic performance on his part. Yeah. I mean, just like an intense, an intense 10 days. Pretty I mean, special. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy, you know, I think during that 10-day period, he became communications director, like got filed for divorce, had a son. Had a son, yeah. Right? Used the most crazy Bulgarian language ever to come out of a communications department from the White House. Like, you know, because remember LBJ, when he was cursing at people and like making people take meetings while he was on the toilet, like with major flatulence issues, like that was in private. You know what I mean? Like he did that to embarrass people in private. Right, yeah. like this is like a public thing, and then fired all in a ten day period. It's the best. And he got two. Pe- he pushed two people out. Yeah, and yeah, threatened yeah. to fire the entire staff. Well, amazing. Yeah, I mean. Amazing. Amazing yeah. theater. Yeah. Um, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, amazing theater. Um, okay, so let's get... You want to get to some questions? Yeah, you want to take a call? Yeah, caller, you're on the air. Um, how's it going, Dave? Going Dave well. Fans, first time caller. Nice. What do you got for us? Um, I, got, I, got, I actually have two questions. First one is... Wait, hold it. Yeah, I can't hear you too well. Talk, uh, talk more into, the, uh, into your mic. Is it? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Is it possible to make um, tahini powder using entorbit and tapioca maltodextrin? Yes. Uh, there's no water. You said tahini, right? There's no water in tahini. The main issue with um, the main issue with um, Enzorbit, uh brand tapioca maltodextrin. The, the main mistake people make is they try to mix things in that have any sort of liquid. So any sort of, when I say liquid, I mean water-based liquid. So like oils, liquid oils are okay, like olive oil works. So uh, I've, I'm not sure whether I've done sesame uh, or not. I maybe have like over the years. Um, the main issue you're going to have is, uh, you know, tahini is like, depends on what brand you get, but like tahini tends to compact into a very kind of dense puck. Don't worry about the solids because remember, peanut butter works. So you, but I wouldn't try to mix it by hand. I would pulse it in in uh, in like a Cuisinart or a Roboku or a similar. And you always have to get a lot more Enzorbit powder than you'd think. Like a lot more. I mean, the whole point of Enzorbit powder is that it is a bulking agent. So you requires vast amounts to make a relatively small amount of powder, but it should work. Nice. So I got I got the 400 gram pack from Mother Needs Pantry, so that should be plenty, right? Oh yeah. I mean, 400 grams is like you know 400 grams is a room. Yeah, it's bigger than a football. I mean, 400 grams is a lot of Enzorbit. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it it probably looks like an orange juice container full, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, it like like there's one size of orange juice container. Moron. So they, but yes, this, that should be like more than enough. But just so you know, in general, what you do is, is you you start the the uh, the, um, the Cuisinart. Don't use too much tahini at the start so that you kind of get a feel for what's kind of going on. You need enough for the okay. for the Cuisinart to actually start working. And then start adding the Enzorbit. Uh, At first, you'll think it's not working because it's going to turn into a thicker and thicker thicker paste. And then all of a sudden, it's going to break from a paste into kind of a powdery thing. And then as you add more, it'll just powder more. So it should work. Perfect. That's on thousand. All righty. Yep. The second question was, I have two daughters and I have a I've been finding to find a way to make green eggs, like the green eggs and ham from Dr. Seuss. Sure. And the only application um, my wife has come with me is like maybe try to inject some um, some color to, to the yolk 
some blue color into the yolk. I don't know if that's possible, if it'll break the membrane and it's gonna, because I know you can make them like green, green, green eggs, Campbell and, and ham, but I want to have like the white yolk, the white um, egg white and the green egg yolk. Right, so I'll tell you a story very quickly. When I was a child, I read, uh, obviously, as we all did, Green Eggs and Ham, classic. And I told my grandma that I was going to be fine with the Green Eggs and Ham, that I wouldn't have the problems that Sam I Am had. And uh, by the way, I'm not a picky kid. Like, I would eat anything like escargot, whatever. So after a lot of cajoling, she actually made me the Green Eggs and Ham. And you know what? I was like, I can't eat that. Like, I looked at it, like, as a little kid. I was maybe, like, uh, eight. I was like, oh, man, I can't. I can't do that. I can't. You know what I mean? I can't. Yeah. Um, What I would do is if you want to do a fried egg, you can just drip food coloring over the top, which is what my grandma did, but it doesn't work so well. Um, I'm trying to remember uh, how, like, how well that stuff infuses. Clearly... If you're doing like a, a pickled egg into with beets, for instance, the red goes goes fairly deep, but you have to soak it for a while, right? So in a raw yeah. egg, I'm imagining that your transport might be uh, as long as it goes through the shell, which I think it will, um, or you could you know you could poke a hole where the air hole is, and so and then like put the food coloring in, and then just let it sit in some very saturated food color for a while, and it might permeate it. I don't know how much it will permeate it, but what do you think, Peter? you think it will permeate? Well, I think he's talking about it's having the egg yolk. white stay No, he wants white. the whole thing green, I no, thought. No, man. You want the white green. white, or you want the white green and just the yolk? Just the and, yolk. Uh, Preferably, it would be the yolk white and the, the, okay. the egg white white and the yolk um, green. Okay, here's what you do then. Separate the eggs. Um... Separate the eggs into whites and and yolks, then um, macerate the yolks in uh, concentrated green food coloring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, although technically uh, you should be able to use just blue and, and get it to go green, but whatever. Play around till you get a color that you like. Then um, put a ring on your griddle. Uh, and pour like the appropriate amount of egg white into the ring. Uh, and then after it starts to set up a little bit, but pretty soon because you want it to cook through, gently with uh, a spoon, lift one of your macerated egg yolks out. Uh, take the bottom of the spoon and put it against a paper towel so that you're not going to mar the white with any of the green from, the, from scooping it out of the solution. And then gently just poop. Right on top of the uh, egg white. And then afterwards, finish it off with your sears all. <laughs> I like the way you think, Julio. <laughs> um, if, it, if it's an over medium, uh, what? I mean, finish it with a sears all. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Bingo. Uh, you know, it might affect the color. I would t- I would test first, uh, but that's definitely that's definitely the way to the way to do it. And the egg yolks should be fine for the amount of time it takes to uh, macerate them. Good luck getting your daughters to eat it, though. I mean, maybe they will. Look, the way my grandma did it, it looked pretty janky, but something about it being green, just in your... The reason that green eggs and ham is so bad is because it evokes spoilage. That's what it is. So, like, you know, and I had recently... It took me about 20 years to be able to eat cream donuts because I ate a moldy cream donut once. I took a... And I eat very quickly. Even when I was a kid, I ate very quickly. It ruined it, ruined it. I took a giant bite out of a moldy cream donut, and the cream was all moldy on the inside, and so I couldn't have cream donuts for Ugh. 20 years. And like, like, I'm retching thinking about yeah. you doing that. Yeah, and Ugh. moldy like things in general, things that evoked mold for a long time were very difficult for me, you know? Dave unhinges his jaw when he eats. Yeah. Yeah, so like basically I can take down half it, even like as a small child, like take down half a jelly donut in like one or two bites. So like by the time my brain registers. Did it taste nasty? I I threw up. Yeah, by the time, but but the problem is, is that like by the time you register, oh my God, something's horribly wrong. There's a bunch of it in your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know what I mean? And, and, and like at the time, I still remember where it was. My mom was, I must have been very young because my mom was in med school. So I had to have been like five, four or five. 
And we got it in the crappy, like, cafeteria where all the med students bought the garbage food that they ate while they were staying up. And my mom was trying to study. And I just solid on went into this thing. It's like, oh, man, man, bad news. Moldy, moldy donuts. You know, still to this day, someone hands me a cream donut, I will eat it. I will never choose a cream donut. I will eat it. I will never choose it. You know what I'm saying? Nah, I, yeah, not my thing. Heard. But anyway, so... Uh, I now love uh, cream donuts. Just because <laughs> yeah, I have a problem. Yeah, Naturally. Yeah, Peter's just a titties. Yeah, he has to... This is the way Peter is. This is why we, this is why we love to hate him. This is why he's the, he's re- the uh, Macho Man Randy Savage slash Emperor Palpatine of... Uh, Let's add that to the list. We got, uh, the, uh, we got like the cold wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, so, you know, Peter. Peter's just a low, low quality individual all around. He doesn't even have a shirt. I got to buy you a, uh, a low quality individual shirt, Peter. Will you wear it if I buy you one? Of course. All right. Uh, all right. So listen. Uh, tweet on back to cooking issues. Let me know how the green egg yolks works picture. out. Yeah, take a picture and tweet it over to me. All right. Of course, Dave. All right. Have cool. a good one. Thank right, you. you too. Uh, I'd like to uh, shout out a thank you to uh, Derek Bodkin for making the "Shut Up, Dad" ringtone a reality. So it's on my phone now. Whenever Booker calls me, so Nastasia, have text Booker to call me, and I'll leave my ringer on, okay. and so that you know we can hear the ringtone. And just in the middle of the show, you'll just hear him yell "Shut up, Dad!" via my new ringtone, which is awesome. So now I have Peter's uh, amazing ringtone, which is "No child wants to play with a Peter in the box," <laughs> and I have Nastasia's ringtone, which is "You are no mean to, to me. me," and then I have. I have now uh, Booker's ringtone. I need to get like specialized ringtones for everyone. I don't have one for Dax. Dax doesn't have anything mean that he does to me on like a regular basis. Yeah, like, I, I remember you used to have that really sadistic one of me burning my hands on the Dax puffing gun. That's for everybody else. That's for everybody else. And yeah, I remember your your kids asking me at some point like, "Why does my dad like the sound of you in pain so much?" I don't. Li- and I'm like that. <laughs> Oh, nice! There we go. Wow, <laughs> crazy I don't. It's like not that I like it. It's not that I. It's not dad. that I like it. It's just like it was a moment in time, right, Nastasia? That brings you pleasure because I was in extreme pain. It doesn't bring me any no, pleasure. He, he thought Cherish he memories. like a yeah. girl screaming. Uh, That's what no, 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 like a young, like a, a young, young, young girl. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be a young boy because young boys and young girls sound very similar. Yeah. yeah. Prepubescent. Family show. Yes, family show. All right. Another call? Uh, sure. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave and Nastasia, Peter and Dave. Happy 300th episode. Thank you. Thanks. We should pop this. Uh, let's see. So this is Chris calling from D.C. I have a question about fermentation and proofing. So uh, I've been making a lot of yogurt, and I'm trying to – I was interested in making that uh, salt-risen bread. Oh, yeah, nice. I've but I've got nowhere to uh, to keep these things where they're going to stay at a consistent temperature for a long time, right? Right. So I was looking at uh, maybe uh, I'm looking online for some sort of fermentation chamber, and I saw some stuff on the Fresh Loaf about converting a chest freezer and some stuff about people using a Cambro and putting a heating pad in it, but... Uh, what do you think is the best way to do that? Some sort of DIY. How much kitchen space uh, do you have, and yeah. how much? You, here, here, here's some examples. For instance, it's not actually hyper accurate, but let's say in the future someday you might want to get into dehydrating. An Excalibur makes a good uh, Excalibur dehydrator makes a good off the shelf solution. It's not super accurate, but when you're doing salt risen bread, the trick is obviously you keep it. Uh, like covered so it doesn't uh, dehydrate inside of the dehydrator, but you can get fairly accurate temperatures. When I was doing it, I was doing it in an Excalibur. Um, you then, yeah, I mean, it depends on like, you know, a, a, a converting a freezer says to me that you want to do this a lot. I don't know if you do want to do it a lot. I mean, the good thing about a freezer is, is that in between things, because remember, when you're doing salt-risen bread, for those of you that don't know, salt-risen bread is actually, the leavening, the leavening uh, agent is Clostridium perfringens. So it's like a, a, um, uh, a pathogen. And so, you know, uh, in fact, the original, one of the original studies to study it uh, literally took... Uh, like gangrene bacteria off of a World War I trench victim and used it to make salt-risen bread. Uh, and it has a very specific odor to it uh, when it's kind of uh, fermenting. 
So uh, you're going to want to be able to thoroughly clean out anything that you uh, do this. So freezers are, are good in that respect, but then you're going to need, like you said, a heating pad or a heating element and some form of PID controller. None of that's mm-hmm. extraordinarily complicated. I mean, it's been a number of years since I've had to, you know, recommend uh, a PID controller to someone. But Auburn Instruments has a bunch of inexpensive ones that you could get away with. And really, if you have a like a, a heating element, you can convert any old box because you don't need a lot of uh, power to do this. You're only talking about taking it up to like I forget what the number is, but something approaching 90 degrees. Uh, Fahrenheit, right? Something in that range. Um, once you have one of these chambers, though, you can do lots of other stuff. So you do yogurt. I really like uh, doing like the the mixed mode rice fermentations for either like Korean or Chinese um, beverages. Those are good. And also, FYI, my dad used to call uh, used yogurt making yogurt as uh, the euphemism for pooping in children that were still of diaper age making yogurt um but um just put that into your heads maybe you can't forget it but uh yeah so any of those scenarios would work but if you were ever going to get a dehydrator and you don't want to make a lot of this like you're making just a couple of loaves for the house it's nice having a dehydrator around i use it i'm not using it 100 percent of the time because i'm not one of these raw food people uh but um i like it i like having a dehydrator but but it's a more expensive investment but it's more versatile to have around than, you know, this camera with a bunch of wires coming out of it, which is also a fine thing. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll look into that. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Let us know how it works and send us a picture of your salt-risen bread. I actually really like salt-risen bread. Um, but there's also a website. I forget the person's name who runs it. I forget what forget what, who she is, but she's like somewhere down in Virginia or something like that. has a whole website devoted to salt-risen bread. Anyway. Um, all right, will do. All right, cool. Let us know what happens. Um, all right. We should answer some. Uh, well, Dave, you just. Last week's questions. Jeez Louise, Nastasia. Well, are you going to open this? Are you going to say what we're doing when we get the next question up? Or are you just going to sit there, eat grapes, and answer emails? Answer Why should the 300th episode be any different from any other episode? Exactly. The grapes are new. The grapes are new. I brought, I brought them in case we didn't get one. Yeah, nice. All right. So. Dave, just interrupt me if there's a... Uh, there, there is a caller. Do you want to do an email question first, or...? No, uh, call, I think caller always gets... Uh, yeah, I'm going to know that. Peter, what the hell did you do? You froze the wine? I knew it. Peter, what the hell? What the hell is that? I have no idea. Peter's trying to kill us. By the way, caller, I, I, I know you're there. Listen, so Dax did this thing that was really freaked me out the other day. He's do, been doing the vinegar and uh, vinegar and baking soda stuff. And he was like, I'm going to seal this in this little Poland spring bottle. And I was like, oh, there's, a, there's no way it's going to build up a lot of pressure, right? So I wasn't worried about it. And then he showed me a video. This was just somehow the surface area that he did able to do it because he put the baking soda into crumpled up uh, you know, uh, plastic wrap, shoved that in, put the vinegar and sealed it. And something about all the extra surface area from the plastic wrap didn't let the baking soda clump and that thing built up so much pressure that when he uncorked it outside it sounded like a gun going off and then when I felt him do it again the bottle felt like it was like at full like inflation rupture strength and I was like Dax that's awesome you should do a how to and my my wife Jen was like are you fucking nuts are you crazy I was like she was like that's dangerous I'm like well you know it's mezzo dangerous don't point it towards kind of reminds me of when a certain somebody yeah. put LN inside a plastic bottle yeah. and sealed it. I did that for you, Peter. All right, yeah. caller, you're on the air. Or to you. <laughs> well, yes. Caller, what's up? Uh, is this me? Am I the caller? Yes. You're the caller. All right. <laughs> this is uh, Marcel from the Hudson Valley. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? All righty. Hold on we're just going to cheers. Been, uh, Dave's, Dave's in the, the Dave's... for a week. Uh, oh, Thanks. On the podcast that I'm finally listening to today. Oh, I like that. Hold on a second. We're just going to cheers here. 300. Woo! <laughs> All right. So I'm glad you're listening live. What's your question? So my question is, I make a lot of uh, bacon and pancetta at home. Um, and I've done two different methods before in terms of spicing it. Uh, one being actually adding all of my spices to the cure mix, like so to the sugar and the salt. Um, and curing it and then at the end washing that off and having that be the finished uh, pancetta. Or I've cured it with salt and sugar and then once it's done curing, wash that off, then covered it in spices and hung it to dry. Right. And uh, I heard on a past show sort of talking about whether spices are actually being absorbed into the fat or the meat or not. 
Um, so basically, based on that, I'm wondering which method probably makes more sense in terms of having spice, the spice flavor actually come through in the finished product. All right. So since I have not actually – by the way, like if you are doing um, – I don't know. Are you just doing a, like a, like old school? Or are you are you I forget? Are you vacuuming it when you have the mixture on it to get better penetration or no? No, I actually haven't done that. Uh, I I don't have a food or any kind of vacuum sealer right now. Right. So most people, and you probably heard it from someone else on the show because I tend not to make pronouncements about this kind of stuff unless I've actually run mm-hmm. the tests. Uh, most people's opinion is that these sorts of things are relatively surface-based treatments. That said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like it's hard to deny when you eat speck, for instance, that you can taste the juniper, right? So even if it is like, a, you know, fairly surface-related uh, uh, thing, it makes it makes uh, a difference. So as to whether you should do it before or after – I mean, if you've done it both ways, which one did you like more? Well, it's it's kind of hard. To, the funny thing is I find it hard to tell because bacon is so strongly flavored that sometimes when I'm trying out these different spices, uh, it's almost hard to tell which one comes through more. Uh, and I feel like I haven't done enough trials yet. Right. So I was sort of hoping to not have to do too many more trials. But I mean, the, I pan, guess, the pancetta is going to be when, yeah, the pancetta is going to be the spices, easier test. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? Pancetta is going to be an easier test because it's not, well, mm-hmm. presumably not smoked. You know what I mean? So you're not going to have yeah. as much overriding kind of flavors. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have a specific question like this, what I always do, because this is all about your taste, right, right. is, uh, look, it's going to be also like I do this. this is, so this is something that I say to myself all the time. I worry a lot about uh you know every step of something but the truth is is it's probably going to be good either way and so what you would do is is unless you're doing this commercially like i would just break every batch into two you know that they're going to be pretty good you know what i mean and so if you break every batch into two and just change one variable only then you know exactly what that variable did it's easy enough on this one cure like take half of your you know batch this time and do it in uh in cure with spice and the other half where, where you add the, the spice after the cure. And then, and by the way, this is, this goes for everything you, you ever do. And the, the, you know, that the best way to lock something down is to just do that, change one variable and then put the, put them through the rest of the procedures together so that it's all same, same. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what, you might end up saying, you know what, I really can't tell the difference between these two. And if you really can't tell the right. difference between these two, and you should have someone else taste it, by the way. And in reality, yeah. if you really really care you should do a triangle test but the fact of the matter is is that what mm-hmm. you're probably looking for is relatively large differences and so if at the end you can't you can't really tell the difference and other people can't tell the difference or if you can tell the difference but you can't decide which one you like better because they both have different things that you like about them then choose mm-hmm. whichever one's easiest for your workflow your work process right but right. here's another thing about doing recipe testing that a lot of people uh, miss um a lot of people, famous people, make this mistake on a constant basis, and it's this, that because you did a test and you altered one variable, you think that that variable is 100% independent of every other variable, and that is not the case. So, for instance, if mm-hmm. you're doing spices on something with, with a cure, right, and then right. You, you do a you do a test on uh, which cut of meat you're using, to think that your tests on the spice 100% correlate regardless of what kind of uh, product you're making is an incorrect assumption, right? It's a good first approximation because you've built up your intuition to know that I like the spice at this point or at this point, but it's not 100%. Mm -hmm. So this is why I say like every once in a while, especially as your recipes change or you, you know, deviate a lot from your starting point, you should go back and retest earlier uh, theories. And this is what does not happen very often um, when people are doing things like writing books because it's very hard. It takes a lot of time and energy to go back and revisit things that you think you've already mentally litigated. Uh, And so, you know, like the test that you run is valid for the test that you've run. And you can assume 
or try to assume that the results you get are independent of other variables that you're going to manipulate in your process, but they're not necessarily. And so you have to be open to being wrong all the time. And that's kind of how you grow is opening to say, okay, this is the way I think I'm going to do it now. This is what I think is going on, but be open to being wrong. Okay. <laughs> Some good advice. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I'm definitely want to try and get some way to vacuum seal it because essentially what I want to end up with is something that tastes like the spices, but where when the person cooks it, they don't have spices around the outside, sort of like when you get that, that pepper-covered bacon, right. and then it has all the pepper around the outside. I don't want that, so yeah, yeah maybe well, you can also rinse some of that. is the best. You can also rinse some of that stuff off. I don't like overly pep- – I love pepper, like – Mm-hmm. Lots of pepper on something like a steak, but like that overly peppered where all you taste is pepper and you can't taste anything else. I don't understand yeah. why people like that. I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, a word of caution on – by the way, Greg Blonder from The Genuine Ideas, uh, he's done a lot of work on, on penetration and stuff like that. And I don't always agree with his results, but his methods are very interesting and you should always read his blog. He has some stuff on this and I think when um, uh, when we're doing the uh, – the uh, you know uh, episode where he was on, I think we talked about it a little bit, but he um, you go read what he has to say about it. Um, vacuum vacuuming something increases the penetration of rate penetration rate of small things like salt, like nitrites. Uh, but I don't know how it. I mean, I don't think it's really going to. I know for for a fact it doesn't increase very much the penetration of F and DC blue number one, uh, and so like I don't think it's going to necessarily increase uh, the penetration of let's say fennel or caraway. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Um, but you know, test you know, test it for yourself okay. and find out, and then and you know read read other people's kind of opinions, but take everything with a grain of salt because they all have their own um, you know methodological problems as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, right. thank you very much. Sure. Let us know. Uh, tweet on on. Tweet on back. Let us know how it works out. All right. I will. Have a good day. Now you too. Uh, speaking of uh, curing, we had a question in from Scott regarding smoke a while ago. We're actually getting to some of the older questions, Nastasia. Not that she cares. I care. She cares only because she likes to. You actually don't want me to get to the questions because you'd rather just torture me on a on a no, daily I basis. Just, you always want to start with the newest questions, right? I think you should go back all the people who have been waiting a long time. Well, why don't you put their questions back on the thing then? You only, you only you give me the new ones. The, uh-huh. I have right. an idea. Instead of answering questions, why don't we talk about which kinds of questions we should answer and then never answer any questions. Oh, no, Peter, so yeah. meta. Oh, oh. Peter, got Peter, it. told the story of how exactly. you didn't laugh at the comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, Stone-faced <laughs> Peter Kent. Hey, man, look, I, I feel like, like I said, I feel like you have... N- Negative obligations when you're going to see stand up. What do you mean negative obligations? Meaning that you're, you should refrain from doing certain things. The burden is on them. But yeah, but I don't. I don't have to smile. I won't be. I won't be a jerk, right? I'm not. Uh, gonna, well, you in I, fact I, were a jerk. I was not you a jerk. In, you were in fact a jerk. I was not a jerk. <laughs> Look, if so Nastasia says you are a jerk, yeah. then that's hardcore. Peter's front and center, not smiling. Staring down the comedian. Not smiling would be one thing. Just I, blank look, would be I one thing. No, he he was giving the stink eye. But doesn't the comedian have to earn it? No stink. No, eye. it's hard enough to be up there. I think. Yeah, I mean, look at look look. So okay. everybody gets a prize just for you guys. Just participating. Just smile. Just have like a dead smile. Look, here's no, the thing. I don't do fake smiles. You guys are both like, oh, you know, it's like it's you're not you didn't pay thirty or a hundred and fifty dollars to go see Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? I am gonna do that. Though. I Whatever. also didn't force him to go up You're there. at a free <laughs> comedy, experimental yeah. comedy there's club. There's not even a two-drink minute, nothing. Nothing, yeah. nothing. Experimental. Yeah. Yes, know. and there's, you don't need that. You, you, you've paid nothing. You've paid not one thing. Yeah, and, I didn't. and someone's getting up there, and so I'm not, like, I'm just saying, so okay. So I listen. I don't, I'm not, like, I'm not going to heckle. I you don't were, get on the phone. You were. I'm not talking to other people. You were aggressively not smiling. Wow. You were like being aggressively stone-faced. And you should go in the back of the room if that's your take, you know? Like that, you know, like don't Because like I said, oh it makes God. it worse for everyone. If you do something, Nastasia. Peter, if you do something to cause the comedian to be less funny cuz you're throwing them off their game, you're actually reducing the utility of everyone else in the room just so that you have the pleasure of being stone-faced. 
Oh, it's a pleasure for me to be stone faced. Uh, oh yes, oh yes, it is. And, but he got called out, so that's, I think it's. I think it's. But he didn't mind being called out. You didn't. Mind. Of course not. I think because it's he's, like, he's, he's, he's like he's like all you're doing is pointing out how unfunny you are. <laughs> I mean, that's what Peter's saying. Is I'm going to go more stone faced just so everyone sees how not funny you are. When really I we just want to hear some funny crap. You know what I'm saying, Stas? Yeah, but the guy was just not funny. That's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, like that's. That's an important fact. Look, here. look, look. He was from, not from, funny at all. By the way, you guys agree are, or disagree? Yeah. By the way, chat room is agreeing with Peter right now. No, 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 guys, guys in the folks in the chat room, listen. This is a management style issue. Peter does not believe in playing to people's strengths. Just help the person be better. Not don't fake laugh, don't do any of that. But can't you at least, for the sake of everyone else in the room who doesn't want to deal with Peter enjoying making this guy's life a living hell by being as stone faced as possible? Because it's not amusing for all the I other spectators. Attempt- You're not I wasn't the only trying people in the room. Stone faced as possible. Yes, I was, I was you giving were. an honest reaction, and no, it no, wasn't, no, it wasn't Peter laughter. And- it wasn't funny. You don't have to <laughs> laugh, yeah. Nastasia. Just give the blank smile. There you go. Oh God, Blank horrible. smile. Horrible, horrible. It's, it's weird. That's weird. No, just no. go. I don't, I don't like the idea of going up. As a comedian, I wouldn't want to go up there, get behind the mic, and see everybody suddenly tilt their head and smile <laughs> like some kind of dystopian. Peter. Peter, it's all about just being blank. Like, if you just have, like, a random look on your face, even if it's this. Or this one, even. <laughs> It's great for radio, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what I'm doing is I'm doing the yeah. third face, like yeah, yeah. if you just have that face, right? Then on, as me... opposed to what? as opposed to this, as opposed to uh, as opposed to like this one. Uh, Dave, let's okay. Here's the Do bad the, face. All right, give me the better. give me the blank face that you think is okay. <laughs> Because so, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm chat, chat room is making the analogy. If you went to a friend's house and they cooked you dinner and the food sucked, you should tell them. No, 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 that is a lot different. That you is should, a lot different. First of all, you didn't know the comedian. First of all, people, there are different levels of telling your friend, right? So don't go effusive on how much you like their cooking if it blew. But you could, there's like, how'd you like the dinner? And you're like, ah, oh, it's good, it's good, good. Yeah. Right? That's all you need. Because they're like, oh, th- that says to them, this person didn't like what I did, but they're a human, and so they're being polite to me. You know what I'm it's saying? It's like when he told those people that the food in their town was the worst Cl- Classic Peter Kim. We're out at Wait, a restaurant. They're oh, like, this geez. is our favorite restaurant in the entire freaking city. Town. Town. Yeah. What town? It's a small town. We're not, not going to get into it. Name names. We're not going to get into it. And then and then they, were like, they go, what Peter, do you, what, do you, yeah. what do you think? He goes, he goes. Overcooked and under seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and Very then, specific li- literally, it's the true, guy, the guy true. next to him after that was like, "I really college student, by the way, people." It was like college student, young, impressionable. I, I really want to get into kind of the, you know, what you do in the food. What do I do? He's like, uh, "Give it up, kid." Well, no, he was like, he, he said, "Listen, I just want to do. I, I just want to, you know, like, what, like, what do you want to do before a career? I, I just like to be like Dave." You know, like do yeah. like food yeah, tech yeah. stuff, and invent things. I'm I'm like, at you yeah, like, uh, come on, like, <laughs> no. Listen, I mean, the point is, you probably should I think discourage you give, that. You want to give people, <laughs> but you want to give people reasonable advice. And I told him, look, try to differentiate yourself and go like do something, learn skills that would be useful in the culinary industry if you want to work in the culinary industry. But like, if you're a good business person, or if you understand like a certain product really well, if you specialize, if you can come back in. If but like just trying to go in and be Dave. I mean, that's if just... Peter was a smoker, he would have flicked a butt in this guy's face. <laughs> he would have been like, "Kid, get away from me!" Boing. He would have, flicked he would have ground it out on him. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't mean, but I gave him honest advice. You did. Oh yeah. come did. on, Peter. That was okay. I was okay with the advice. Overcooked and under season. That was a moment of candor. Okay. And I think that was also forty minutes after he walked in on you in the bathroom. So he was a little <laughs> oh, jeez, we're not getting into <laughs> that. We're not getting into that. No, oh. we're not getting into that. That is a very dark memory. Family show. <laughs> All right, so I'm tweeting out this right now. All right, stand-up comedy face. Okay, All right. so All right. that apparently is what you view as being the okay face to give. For because, All right. because. It's just like the comedian's going to look at your face and be like, "There's something wrong with that dude. I'm going to leave him alone." You know what I mean? <laughs> Not like he's trying to mess with me. Anyway, Scott writes Uh, in. Wait, wait, hold on. You want to take a break and then get to that? All right. Take a break. We'll be right back with 300th episode of Cooking Issues. (laughs) 
Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. We're back. I hear we have another caller, Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, the, that's the best one yet. Am I right, Peter? Like uh, family show. Can't talk about yeah, it. Caller, you're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, caller. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Dave. Hello, the hammer. Hi. This is Tom. This is Tom oh, from hi. Nashville. You don't get a hello, Peter. <laughs> Cold diss. <laughs> All right, go ahead. What's going on in Nashville? Um, not much. I'm on my lunch break. I love your show. I figured I'd try and get you guys a call. Oh, nice. Um, I am an engineer for a plastics company. Ooh. And we have all kinds of neat equipment. Like, I work in a lab environment. We have all this stuff, and I just look at it. I think, man, I could cook something in that. And they won't let me, of course. I'd probably get in trouble. Weasels. Um, Weasels. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, but anyway, one of the pieces uh, that I was interested in is an, it's an ultrasonic bath. Right. So basically, you know, it, it holds a constant temperature and also, like, vibrates the crap out of whatever you put in there. And I was wondering if that would, like, speed up, like, a low-temperature cooking application or something okay. you know, like that. There have been tests on um, application of ultrasound during cook steps in the bath, and I think most of them were relatively inconclusive. Um, the only ultrasonic bath technique that I saw getting kind of wide press was uh, Modernist Cuisine uh, when they first, you know, when the first set of books came out uh, recommended, they did their French fries in an ultrasonic bath. So, uh, yeah, one of their steps in the was uh, ultrasonic, basically to, uh, the, the theory being to disrupt the um, the surface the, of the uh, French fry to get kind of a better crust formation. I have one. I gotta be honest. I never tested it because it never seemed feasible for uh, for chefs because no one has a bath that large to do a reasonable number of French fries. And at the time right. that that book came out, I w- was really only dealing with things that I thought might be kind of useful for chefs. I think they might have even looked into getting a patent on that for like a larger uh, ultrasonic uh, baths. Um, but that's the only. I mean, other than obviously I used to use it for cleaning all the time and it's kind of fun to put your hand into, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, but, you know, a quick search. So if you, you know, steal access to any like, you know, of the like Web of Science or Elsevier or any of those. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've read them, but I think in general uh, – rather inconclusive now a lot of people have done work with the high temperature i mean sorry the uh high power ultrasounds right the homogenizers but uh and most of that like i don't know that it's worth the effort to be honest uh especially because um you know they're really irritating like you know the the (laughs) new the new ones with the enclosures are not as irritating but uh, what you should steal is one of the pilot extruders. If you yes. work in a yeah 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 yes. yeah, yeah yeah we've we've got two of those and they're uh, twin screw um, twin screw extruders 30, thirty millimeter diameter and I definitely couldn't put any fruit in that yeah <laughs> so so someone I'm pretty sure one of these days someone's gonna break in and steal one and maybe <laughs> one ends up in your house. Like, especially if you know, do you, or at the Museum of Food and Drink. Yeah, you're familiar, obviously, with the you know that that the cereal industry actually took the twins, uh, the twins uh, screw extruder from the plastics industry. So the entire modern cereal industry is based uh, on uh, the technology from the plastics industry, and also snacks yeah, I, too. I was just looking at a piece of Captain Crunch, and it, it looks just like a big size pellet of what we produce. That is right. Yeah. You need to steal that uh, stuff. Listen, like, what are you putting through it? Nothing that a good burnout won't take care of, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, what we use is all pretty much inert, you know, so, I mean, we'd have to clean the crap out of it, but... On the, on the Cap'n Crunch point, uh, we, so we used to have a serial advisor, a technologist guy who used to work in the serial industry for decades. We don't have him anymore? And, yeah, we still work with him. All right. That's a great guy. You Eric. said used to. You said yeah, like no, he was no, dead I, or I something. Love, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, um, and so he talked a lot about the Cap'n Crunch machine, which apparently is uh, highly proprietary. Um, and if you, actually, if you look at the Cap'n Crunch shape, it's one that is, I guess, considered to be one of the more special shapes it's sort of like two pillows that come together with this sort of gently crenulated uh texture we've had captain crunch yeah okay fine 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 all right anyway but he's at at the at the factory where they're making it they have a strobe light where they can stop the captain crunch as it extrudes out from the machine at any moment and they can dial it forward or dial it back just to see how the production is going see if there's anything that needs to be fixed and he described it as, when he asked him what, it, what it's like to be able to do that and control the serial coming in and out of the machine, he's like, it's like looking in the face of God. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, uh, so like the, way that, the way that these things work, like for, not, they're not that expensive. So we, when the museum gets an extruder, right, they, these uh, stroboscopes are set up so that you fire it from a certain point on uh, like the axle every time. So you're, it's based on a, on a rotation rate of the thing coming out. But then you have all you have is a phase angle setting, so it can choose like when in that point it it fires, and so you can be really sickly accurate with uh, getting stuff to go on lines because this is actually like the way to inspect things like high speed bottling lines or even you know any piece of equipment that runs rapidly and you you don't you want to actually look at it in the real life. Strobes with a phase adjuster, so we yeah. can buy one of those. We're totally going to have that in the museum. Uh, oh hell yes! Yeah. Oh, oh hell yes! But it really only works once you get up to um, a fast enough uh, rate such that like persistence of vision works. I mean, like if it's a slow thing and it's like poof, 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 it doesn't have a good effect. It needs to be like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Uh, but it's amazing, amazing. I w- totally want one, and I want an extruder. So, like, if you need two people named Peter Bim and Mavid Marnold <laughs> and maybe someone else named, like, Mustacia Bopez to, co- to come down with a truck and maybe one of your extruders disappears, like, you know, we can make that happen. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it, Just if hypothetically. We de- if we ever de- decommission one, I'll, uh, I'll give you guys a call and let you know. Nice, nice. Uh, I had I had one other real quick thing um, that I think is very interesting. Um, so in plastic, if you want to paint something, you have to do some sort of pre-treatment or paint won't stick to it. Sure. So we do, uh, a lot of people do flame treat, and they'll just take a blowtorch or some sort of machine, basically, and just run, run the flame over the, the plastic real quick. One of the other options you can do is plasma treatment, and it, it produces the same sort of... Um, functionalization of the surface but it does it at a lower temperature and I was wondering if, if you tried to sear a steak or something with plasma if it would give you sort of the same results as flame or if it would you know maybe change that uh, the browning reaction a little bit uh-huh. well I've never seen I mean like when I think of pl- plasma does it look like the like the tip of like a of a TIG welder like what does it look what does it look like here is it like uh, what are you looking uh, at it's basically it's not real big it's probably the head is probably crap maybe uh, six centimeters uh, in diameter and it's round and it just produces like a it's like a forced air plasma uh, kind of a bluish purple color. And does it, I mean, does it have that ozone smell? Uh, not really. Um, I don't think this one, the one I have at least, doesn't really produce ozone. It doesn't say anything about loose, using it in a closed area or anything. Right. So. Well, I'll look into it. Like, uh, you know, if you, you go to at Cooking Issues and sh- uh, shoot me a, uh, a link to one so I can kind of see what it is. There oh, is yeah. a, a maximum speed. There is a maximum searing speed above which things don't. Uh, taste good anymore, and so I think that's one of the that's one of the things with like a, a naked torch, for instance, on a piece of meat is that it's just too damn too damn much, too damn fast, and you get right. off you get off uh, flavors, uh, and that's you know that's kind of what the the searsol is doing aside from just spreading it out, but you know famously. Um, 
you know, Homaru Kantu used to use lasers to burn things and by all accounts made some terrible tasting things with the laser <laughs> because it just doesn't taste good to sear things with the laser. What I really wanted to do, like in a major way, was uh, to uh, get like two beam spreaders so that you could take a CO2 laser with a known output, do a beam spread, right? And then you could do two things. One, by, by uh, positioning a piece of meat at a particular place away from the spread, you know what the drop-off of it, uh, intense, energy intensity per square uh, centimeter is, and you could right. basically figure out what the, what the optimum is on a continuous basis. But even more so, then if you could like Q-switch that son of a gun, you could sit there and flash it like bop, 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 and see whether or not a very high-intensity, short-duration uh, – like, and you could really then just dial in all the parameters of what is going on and test it, but you'd need someone who had the lasers and had the optics and kind of was interested. You know what I mean? But I think it would be a really fun experiment to run. I've, I've been wanting to run it for years and years, but just don't have access to it. You know, this is why what I should have done is become some sort of like professor of some bullcrap at some large state school like Michigan, where somebody <laughs> has everything. You know what I mean? And but you know that's not the way my life ended up. So. Uh, regrets. All right, well, I've had a few. Appreciate it. All right, well, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye. All right. Too too many to mention. Uh, The uh, (laughs) we we have a. uh, We got one more caller. All right, caller, caller, you're on the air. Am I on the air? Oh, hey, hey, everybody. Uh, I got a little bit of a cooking issue. I used to, uh, you know, I used to cook with a lot of molecules, and now I can't find my molecules anymore. And uh, I used to get my molecules from the show, you know, but uh, you haven't had any molecules around me. <laughs> is this oh. is this Jackie molecules? Oh, Jackie molecules! How's it going down in DC? <laughs> Hey, things are good, man. I miss you guys. Yeah, nice. We miss. We miss, look, Dave. No offense. We, we, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We miss. We miss. We miss Jackie Molecules. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody right. like loves the Jackie Molecules. How's the? Uh, hey, you're in D.C. Can you get us any uh, people for oh, this yeah, new idea for a true. show? You know a lot of politicians. Yes, for the show? Is that yeah. what you said? No, no, no. So here, Nastasi and I want to start this new show. Here's the concept. I'll give it to you real quick. The concept is that. People come in and ostensibly it's about kind of, you know, talking about food. So it's kind of like being at dinner. But we bring up all the stuff you're not supposed to talk about and then just have like knockdown arguments about like politics, religion, things you shouldn't really talk about. Things that would ruin Thanksgiving. Like I've ruined so many Thanksgivings. So it's imagine that every episode is you're ruining Thanksgiving. So you'd have people who kind of either disagree with us or disagree with each other. And then we talk about food, but also any any other kind of issue, kind of no holds barred. We want, like a politician. So do you know some? Come on, DC. Yeah. DC I molecules. Can't, I, can't, I can't speak to that. I really? Can't speak to that. He is. He is. Like Jack spends all of his time inside the West Wing with the people, so he can't talk about it because he'll get nuked. He'll, he'll get, get mooched. He'll get he'll get mooched. Yeah, I can look into that. That sounds like fun. You must have sponsors lining up around the block yeah, for uh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, that yeah, are not appropriate yeah, yeah. for dinner parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll still be a family show, Jack. It'll still be a family show. Oh, okay. I mean, like, you know, in general, I try not to curse too much at the dinner table because often my kids are there. I don't mind ruining the dinner, but you don't want to get, you know, your family mad at you for cursing in front of the kids overly much. Unlike that time, unlike that, time that I gave a speech at a Heritage Radio event and cursed in front of your kids, oh. I remember. Uh, well, they, you know, look, honestly, like... Uh, as this is as this is as non-family as we go, but that's like pissing in the ocean to raise the tide in my house. When you think of the number of times I've slid, you know, made a mistake in front of the kids, it's like the thing is, is that I believe, and I've said this on the air before, that to really be good in the English language, you need to be able to like lay a string of curses and invectives like a babbling brook, and so you need to kind of ha- have that. Uh, but apparently, you know, we need to wait until the kids are of a certain age in order in order to do that. But Peter, do you do you you don't you don't want to deal with someone that can't lay down some curses, do you? Of course, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, a, that's a prerequisite for any job, actually. Ringing endorsement from Peter Kim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stone faced, stone faced Peter Kim. Yeah, sir. Anyway, all right. 
So, and I, I really do miss you guys, and yeah, uh, I would miss love you. to. I would love to bring some DC people on the show. I'd love to come back and visit, and uh, you are all welcome in DC anytime. I'm actually calling though, um, because I want to remind listeners that they should be donating to Heritage Radio yeah. Network. Ah, and not the spins off. Amazing drive. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> I had to dust off the old molecule coat to uh, remind everybody that the they should uh, keep the show going because. What would what would the world be without cooking issues? You know? It would be yeah, an full of low quality individuals. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. All right. Yeah, and I would second that. Yeah, it's yeah. a great organization, doing good stuff. Yeah, Heritage Food, good people, yeah. good people. And then donate okay, to Mopad, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're done with Heritage. And while you're while you're getting out your checkbook, you can still <laughs> buy a Spinzol right now up until August second. You can, August fourth. You can still buy one. It'll ship direct from China as long as you got your checkbook out. Just saying. Yeah. yeah, and if you got any money left over, you can donate to the Jackie Molecules for President Foundation 2020. Uh, uh, yeah, we just have an announcement. <laughs> uh, you got my vote over Kanye, 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? What about The Rock? Ooh, ooh, The Rock's tough. I like The Rock. I like Jackie Molecules, though. Maybe you guys could run on one ticket. Yeah. I think everyone yeah, likes mo- The Rock. R- rock Molecules. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to rock The Molecules. All right, we got to. All right, brother. Oh, Nastasia's giving me... 101. Wow. I didn't answer even one freaking question. Well, to next week's... All right, no, hold a second. Bye, Stog. Bye, Bye, right. Jack. Wait, Bye, can, I get, can I get one question here? Like, literally, are we going to have to do a whole nother show? You can do one question. Ooh, now which one? What, what, what should I do? <laughs> one what? of the ones from last week. Well, okay. Let's talk about uh, the person who is Stan. Okay, uh... So Stan's got a competition coming up in September, okay? He says, uh, thanks for the show. Uh, a question that might be a bit outside of your area of expertise. Uh, I did register to compete in a baking contest in the fall. We have three hours, three hours now, all right, to produce an opera cake, right? You know what an opera cake is? No. It's, uh, well, it says right here, thin layers of sponge cake, coffee, buttercream, and chocolate ganache. And they're not allowed to use a freezer. Apart from practicing at home, including uh, under time pressure, what advice could you give me? I'll obviously weigh and pack all the ingredients separately for the mise before the clock starts. So what this is telling me is that you get to bring your own mise, which is interesting. Um, In general, what are some good practices for cooks participating in competitions or culinary school students preparing for exams? Many thanks, Stan. So uh, if you look into an opera cake recipe, it's like it's thin layers baked in sheets. But here's the thing. It's not just about... Everything with a cake like this, there are so many steps that involve, like, cooking, chilling, frosting, chilling, setting. The opera cake takes a lot of chill time, right? So if you don't have access to a freezer, my question is going to be, well, do you have access to a fridge? If you do have access to a fridge, are you the only person that has access to a fridge? Or do multiple people have access to the fridge? And when I, and I literally was just uh, a guest judge in a baking competition show that uh, hasn't aired yet uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I observed uh, a lot of mistakes. So what, what you have to do is completely analyze the recipe and figure out what the time bottlenecks are going to be, right? That's first. And then accomplish them and multitask in the correct order such that they're going to get done. This is the classic thing you see people do. They'll forget something until the end. And then, and they've done this recipe at home a bunch of times, but they had never actually sat down and figured out this needs to happen at exactly this time or it won't be ready in the future. Like that is, especially if you know in advance what the recipe is going to be, this is what you need to focus on. The other thing is, is that if you're not, if you're going to bring your own ingredients, that's one thing you don't have to worry about. But I had a discussion with Bobby Flay once about being an Iron Chef. And um, he said that the Iron Chef has a tremendous advantage in, uh, what's it called? Chef Stadium? What's it called? Chef Stadium, whatever it's called. It's a kitchen stadium, whatever they call it. Has a tremendous advantage just because they know the kitchen. What I would do is I would do what I said. I would plan out exactly what needs to happen when, what the time bottlenecks are, figure out where your pinch points are going to be, right? And I guarantee you it's going to be like you got to figure out a way to cool that cake down fast. So like whether it's you're going to use parchment paper instead of silpats because it's going to cool faster the closer it is to the aluminum tray. Uh, you know, whether it's any one of these things, you know, making sure that uh, if you are going to stick it in the fridge that it can vent off a lot because it's going to be evaporative cooling that really gets the cake cool. 
cool as fast as so you want maximum surface area in contact flashing off so it's like whether it's uh you know steps like that figuring out uh or not practice in somebody else's kitchen just so like take whatever you know you're going to have make sure that they get whatever it is that you're going to have uh, uh available to you go to their kitchen and make it because there is so much time saving this is something like if, if i ever write a book about this subject which i never will but i should probably is um one of the reasons i think that people in general don't cook right or can't cook is because it takes a long time for them to cook and the reason it takes a long time for them to cook is a recipe will say something simple like get a bowl right and so for me even though my kitchen's a nightmare mess all the time i know exactly where all the bowls of every size are and within half a second i can have that bowl in my hand right and if you need another one i i know exactly where that same size bowl is because they're all stacked i go for it i get it in my hand someone and if you've ever had this experience cooking in someone else's kitchen they're like you walk up to them and what do you say you say can I help you cook? I never do this. This is why I never do this. Can I help you cook? And they're like, um, yeah, okay. Uh, dice up, uh, you know, dice up th this carrot. Where are your knives? <laughs> Where's your cutting board? I don't have anything to put it into. Can you put it? By this time, I could have cut the freaking carrot myself. This is why I don't have anyone help me do it. Because it's like, <laughs> it's just the irritation of... Like having wow. to ask and explain wow. where every freaking implement in the kitchen is. So you're saying that stand-up comedian deserves a smile. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, but, but bring it all. Somebody back. who's helping you in the kitchen. Here, I'm giving you my internal dialogue. Down. This is my internal dialogue. I don't push my internal dial. I'm letting you. I'm letting the listener know what's going on in my head. What comes out of my mouth is. The knives are in that drawer over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But then the other thing that's horrifying, this is another problem too, is like this is why it's fun. It's fun having people over to your house that you cook with a lot because they know A, your house, and they know B, like kind of what you're like and you know what they're like. But it's like when people come there new and then like if a chef comes, right, they try, you know, they're all like, just show me one and I'll make the rest, which is kind of good, right? There's show me one, make the rest. So you get the carrot out, you get the knife, you get the board, you put it down, you do one thing, and then they bust out the rest. The problem with a chef is is that they'll dice every carrot in your fridge. You're like, I needed one carrot. I needed one carrot. And the chef will just go through every carrot you have because they're pretending that it's me's for a restaurant. You've had this happen, right, Stas? Mm -hmm. Anywho, my point is is that uh, go to someone else's uh, kitchen because you are vastly less efficient in a kitchen you don't know the layout of than you are at home so I've seen this a million times well or more like 10 but like don't like don't practice practice in your own kitchen figure this stuff out but then please go practice in somebody else's kitchen and that is a basically kind of a, a, a tip from me or from Bobby Flay through me right uh, and we have a whole bunch of stuff I was going to talk to about Stan and his safety with his smoking I was going to talk about uh, Dee and uh, you know the outdoor cooking that they're going to do when they move to New Jersey which I guess we'll have to get into next time and then we just had we had so many good questions we never got to uh, but I guess we'll have to get to them next time do you think we should we had someone actually from Toronto Michael write in about searing and sealing in the juices so we maybe maybe we'll get Harold McGee to come on and talk about that you want to do that guys you want to get Harold McGee to come on and talk about that oh yeah or maybe we'll do that Harold uh, loves talking about that maybe we'll do that uh, next week we had some questions about uh, room temperature ice cream I can definitely deal with that so we'll get it back next time on the 301st episode oh by the way next week I might not be here I might not be here for the next two weeks I'm not sure I might not be here. I might be away for two weeks. I'm not sure. Low quality individual. In which case, Very low. I'll let everyone know on the, tw on the Twitter storm what's going on. Peter Kim guest host. Ooh. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Peter Kim coming to you live from Roberta's Petrie in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Too, too loud, Peter. No. Too loud. No. Too loud. That's yeah, fine. you got to work on that. No. Too loud. Too loud. Right. Do you know that when I'm in the car, Dax will sometimes say, do the Cooking Issues intro. I'm like, Why? I, I can't just turn it on the turn on Heritage Radio. Like, why would I? You know, he also like when, last time he was on the show a while ago, and he like he's like do the vo do the voice of like you know what like uh, whichever moron I'm doing. Harvey is one of them. You know what I mean? I'm like you know I, I gotta feel it, man. I gotta feel it. You know what I mean? 
Oh, also, if you have any recommendations, I'm building a MAME cabinet with Dax next week. Uh, so if you have any, uh, if you folks have any suggestions on specific games or whatnot in the MAME cabinet, tweet them on to me. I'd appreciate your advice. And we'll see you next time on the 301st episode of Cooking Issues. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.